Hey guys, this is Wolfie D from PG-13. Check out my podcast, Live and in Color with Wolfie D, every Monday at noon. We're talking Memphis, we're talking ECW, WCW, WWF, everywhere that I've been. We even have some great guests, some Hall of Famers on the show with us. Every Monday at noon, Live and in Color. Welcome to the, I believe, fifth episode of the Main Event Comedy Podcast. I'm Gene Jackson, and of course, I am joined by other members of Main Event Comedy, such as Delbert Jenkins and Wes Sears. There's a terrible echo going on somewhere that wasn't there previously. How's it going, guys? What's up? What's going on, Genie? You know, just it's it's Sunday afternoon, so what else would I be doing besides hanging out, waiting for folks to show up for a podcast? That's it's what I the do Lord's Day. The only thing sad about Sunday is that Chick Fil A is not open. There is that, they, uh, and this is the only day you want Chick Fil A is on Sundays. Exactly, because you can't have it. It's proof God has a sense of humor, right? I mean. The great rib, as they say in wrestling. So, um, we've been hyping it up for quite a while. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of fun to think something that, you know, we conceived as a an idea that started out in our group chat and then, you know, got talked about off the air for these uh, podcasts. Became a reality last as we record this, uh, last Saturday night, we had the very first qualifying round of the main event comedy championship at happy hour in Aniston. Um, pretty decent crowd. Wasn't our biggest crowd, but it was a, it was a good crowd. I thought, um, numbers wise anyway. Um, what did you guys think about it? How did y'all feel coming out of that first one? I liked it. I thought it was fun. It was exciting. And we had a I mean, good turnout. Fun, you know, yeah. And I mean, it's the beginning. You know, I mean, this is the first one. You know, first, first. Technically, all of them's gonna be the first round to a degree. You know what I mean? To the finals. But I mean, as far as the official main event, event, and a competition, not nonetheless. You know, I think it's something we can build off of and make it even better. You know, I mean, that's 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 why we're doing this. You know, make it better each time. So. Exactly. So that, that brings me to my next question. So as far as what you kind of pictured in your head as we discussed doing this and then what actually took place, um, what in your mind uh, was different or what in your mind do we need to do moving forward to make it better um, in the future? Fire of plant. And we got to find somewhere to fucking do it. <laughs> no, no, we do it there, but we, we just don't do it. We just, we just take no the point. key from him. I ain't paying the rent. You know, yeah, I ain't paying that. I've shit. heard how much that rent is. I'm I not mean, paying I think it. There, I think, 
I mean, I think there's little things. I, I think we did really well advertising. You know, I, I know I had some people there. Um, I know, you know, Delbert as well, you know, and uh, I think I, th- I, I will say this and not take shots at anybody. I do think we need to let <laughs> make sure people know when to get there. So because <laughs> like, yeah. we were scrambling. I mean, that's not even a you know, shot at anybody. <laughs> but, you know, I was literally in the entrance because I came to you. I was like, dude, I will be at the entrance. As soon as they come in, hey, you need to go to the back. You know, um, I felt like we had to scramble a little bit with the lineup that we had that was, you know, randomized. And, um, you know, um, we, had to, we had to scramble. So, yeah, I mean, and the thing is, when you're talking 12 comedians, and I said this on stage, you know, comedians aren't known for being punctual, uh, <laughs> for sure. And then, so when you're depending on 12 of them getting there, and then you've got a specific lineup, you know, that you've, you're trying to follow. Yes, it definitely, definitely makes it challenging. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, that's that's something that I hope we can. I don't really know how to address it. I mean, other than, I mean, you you send out, you know, you you communicate with people when they enter. This is where it's happening. This is when it's happening. This is when it starts. Then you send out an email to everybody and relay more information, and then people show up and act like they don't. They've never heard any of this shit before, which is frustrating. But it, it, you know, such is life, I guess. I don't know. I deal with it all the time in various forms. Being my side uh, projects or my work, real real work, uh, it, it's, it is what it is, I guess. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely one thing. Uh, you mentioned the advertising. I That didn't turn out the way I had hoped. I had had high hopes of getting the word out more. Um, but I also had high hopes of having, using money from a couple other shows we had lined up before that to provide a budget to do this with those shows for one reason or another didn't draw. So there was no money to pull from and I don't have money to independently fund this shit out of my pocket. So it just turned into word of mouth, tell people on Facebook, um, I suggested and wanted to hang up flyers. Uh, the club owner said that he has found that to not be effective and basically didn't want to, so we didn't. Um, I don't really know how that can't be effective. People have to go to the store. People have to go to Walmart and these different places, and if there's a flyer there, they're subject to see it. Um, I understand newspaper advertising is, is you know, useful as it used to be because not everybody reads a newspaper radio advertising isn't as useful as it used to be because not everybody listens to radio everybody streams shit now so uh but i do think maybe flyers is still effective a lot of ways i mean i know it's you know the wrestling side of things that's heavily relied upon as a way of advertising because not everybody believe it or not not you know you may not believe this not everybody's on freaking facebook they're not so if you're only form advertising fucking facebook then you know, you're kind of limiting yourself. But I don't know. Maybe we'll find a way to address that before this is all said and done. We shall see. Um, anything else that stands out that, you know, we can work towards improving before the next one? Well, I mean, I'll say it here. I mean, I ain't necessarily saying it's an improvement, but, dude, I had no idea who the judges were. And I'm, that was I'm, by design, you know, and because I didn't want yeah. this to turn into, because um, my concern 
beforehand was number one, I didn't want any of us to have anything to do with picking the judges or absolutely even know the really know the judges for a variety of reasons. Um, so, you know, I tasked the, the club owner with getting judges and he did. And I appreciate that. And he had said, well, how about we just let the judges be anonymous? And I was fine with that because my concern beforehand, because I knew he was going to talk to a couple of comedians about doing it, was this ain't goddamn American Idol or America's Got Talent or whatever, where the show turns into being a fucking, uh, being about the judges and their reactions and them like, I don't, I didn't want that. All I wanted the judges to do was watch the show and provide the winner. I didn't want it to become about them. Um, I also didn't want them having to get questioned after the show about their decision because I had a couple of people come to me and ask me why they didn't win. Because the judges didn't pick you. You didn't score good with the judges. Go. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, <laughs> but I was flat out asked that by a couple of people and I was dumbfounded. What did I win? I guess you didn't make the judges laugh. I get you didn't. You weren't what they were looking for. And I don't even know what the judges are based on the judges. You know, some of their judges' choices. I don't necessarily know what they were looking for. But that's not for me to decide because we had a contest and we had them pick judges and the judges picked who they picked and that's that's how it goes. You know. Um, but no, I nobody knew who the judges were. I didn't know who the judges were until I went back there to get their decision. And even then, I only saw who one of the judges was. And it wasn't until after that that I finally saw who all three of them were. And again, I, I told them, so so for people asking, and I know there has been a little bit of uproar about, you know, the, the, the decisions. When I, when... Flynn asked me, what do the judges need to be looking for? I said, I want them to judge this on stage presence, quality of material, and crowd reaction. Those are the three, you know, areas I want them to judge this on. And then they amongst themselves decided on a scoring system of one to ten in those three categories and then add up the score. And then obviously whoever had the highest score out of everybody was going to win. Um, so that's that's what... That's what the judges were given, and then what you saw is what we were given from the judges. If people don't like that, I'm sorry, but that's how contests work. Well, I mean, and even to this day, I mean, I only knew one of the judges because that person came up to me after the show yeah. and had a conversation with me. He's like, look, I thought you did, you know, blah, 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 and I appreciate that. But, dude, I even had people, I was outside smoking, and I had people come up to me asking me the same question. And I'm like, I was in the competition like i i don't i can't you know i don't know you know yeah um i mean i mean it's a part of i guess competition in general i mean i remember going you know from the rib shack and you know even though my father isn't here we were trying to figure out why shane knows him you know uh at the rib shack but that's a whole different conversation but uh i thought i mean i thought it was a good show overall i mean like I said, it was the first one, and we can only improve, try to, you know, and do what we can do. I will say this, and not trying to change the subject too much, but I do think with this Atomic Johnny show, let's put some flyers out in gas and see what happens. Yes, I me. agree. But Speaking of, that's the flyer right there. Main event comedy, we're coming to Atomic Johnny, Saturday, September 23rd. 
Showtime's going to be 8 p.m. Cover chart is only 10 bucks. 510 Broad Street. If you haven't been to Atomic Johnny's, get down there. I mean, it's a great bar. Anything you want to drink. But, man, the food there. Uh, they have really, really upped their game. I mean, it was already good, but, I mean, they've really upped their game up. Uh, go follow Atomic Johnny's on Facebook. And check out some of those pictures of some of the stuff they're serving down there. And even if you don't want to listen to us, come down there and check out the food. And who knows, maybe you'll laugh a couple of times while you're there. You know, uh, they say a couple of these main event guys are are kind of funny. So, but seriously, though, check us out. Um, yes, we need to try to put some flyers out. I'll try to uh, roll some pennies and come up with a budget to print some flyers, and we'll get some of those put out. <clears throat> Well, I mean, you know, you let Gadsden, me know too. I mean, around Gadsden and uh, the like. Um, but we got that coming up on the 23rd. Before that, we have the next round of the main event comedy championship on Saturday, September the 16th. Uh, same deal. Tickets are $15. The start time will be 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're in another time zone, figure it out. Um, but yes, I'm going to be, uh, or we are going to be announcing, uh, some of the competitors coming up in that one, uh, beginning this week is what producer Smokey tells me. He's getting the graphics together and all that jazz. And, uh, uh, rumor has it, spoiler alert, as they say in wrestling, uh, I hear Delbert Jenkins is going to be in this one. Is that true, Delbert? Yes. Oh, yes, shit. I'm gonna... I'm going to be in this one. We're going to have some people in every one of them representing. That's right. That's right. And so uh, I heard, this is the last thing I'll address about the judge thing, okay? Um, I heard some people say that outside, or it was it was told, I didn't hear them, but I was told there were some people saying, oh, that thing was rigged. They rigged that. Okay, folks, if we were going to rig the main event comedy championship, Wes Sears would have won. He's the only one in that in that contest that was in main event comedy. So if we were going to rig it, Wes would have won. We wouldn't have given it to some guy that none of us had met until that night. Chase we is a nice gonna, guy. He's a funny guy, but I never I never met him in my life until that night. So why would if, we have rigged it for him to win? If, in that if we were going to rig it, why would we even have a competition? We'd just have people on our show. Yeah, we'd just have a show and then yeah. go, hey, he won. All right, folks, we got a little surprise for everybody right now. You've been waiting and wondering. You're like, well, wait a minute. Main event comedy, that's, I think that's four people, I believe. There's Gene, there's Delbert, there's Wes. Somebody's missing. Where, who's missing? Who's there's, there's another one. Uh, well, guess what, folks? He's here. Give it up for Wes Sears' father, stand-up comedian, Shane Knowles. There he is. Shane Knowles. What's up, buddy? Motherfucker. I'm sorry that I have I'm sorry I've let my son down as well as the rest of main event comedy. Well, your son's gotten kind of used to it for being honest. Uh you know. Yeah. <laughs> he showed up and I go, Where's your dad? And he said, I've been asking myself that for fifteen years. And I was like <laughs> Checks in the mail. I swear. Fuck that. Fuck that. What's up with that steering wheel cover? Are you in your girlfriend's car? <laughs> No, I stole this from you at the Rib Shack comedy competition because I'd take something home. <laughs> in his oh, defense, I, I mean, we're talking 100-degree weather. Them steering wheels are pretty hot when you get in there these days. So, Dude, you need oven mitts. I mean, exactly. 
Well, you haven't missed a lot. We had to go ahead and get started, and so far we've just talked about um, last Saturday's Main Event Comedy Championship, which um, you had a a prior engagement, so you wasn't there, so it kind of worked out. Just, I mean, you wouldn't have had a lot to add to that because, you know, you wasn't there. So, uh, But the sets are going up. Uh, Right now we're putting up one or two a day over at – the YouTube channel, Main Event Comedy on YouTube, youtube.com slash at Main Event Comedy. So you can see uh, the sets from the Main Event Comedy Championship over there right now. Like I say, we're putting up one or two a day. So by a few more days, we'll have them all up there, and you can check them out. Go in the comments and give your opinion of who you think should have won. If you don't agree with who won, uh, if you think it was rigged or what have you, then let us know who you thought should have won. Um, and a lot of those people that were there that uh, in the first one are going to be coming back in November because it's going to be second chance November. In November, we're going to have people uh, get the opportunity to come back and compete one more time to try to get to the finals. Uh, of course, you know, like we said earlier, Delbert uh, West competed uh, this past week. Uh, Delbert Jenkins is going to be competing Saturday, September the 16th. Shane Knowles will be competing October 21st. And then in November, if any of those guys, uh, if they haven't already won, if they want to try it again, then they can go in November. And in December, the finals. That's when we'll find out who the champion's going to be. That's very exciting. Uh, the only thing you did miss, Shane, that we will mention again now that you're here, boom, Atomic Johnny, Saturday, September 23rd. How excited are you for that, man? I'm fired up. And, I mean, Gene, when we got the date, I was excited. But, man, that poster, truly, I mean, that thing pops, man. Uh, that looks totally different than any other main event comedy poster we've done. And I mean, uh, I mean, I almost felt like that microphone being held in that hand. It's almost like a power to the people, man. Come out and have a good time and get some laughs. I, you know, uh, since you mentioned it, uh, that is actually like the second uh, flyer. I did the first one that looked very, very, you know, reminiscent of the other flyers that we've had. And uh, I was going through some designs and I, I saw this one. I'm like, hey. I don't know. Let's let's just do it and see what it looks like. And uh, did it, and uh, I was really happy with it. And I'm glad to hear uh, glad to hear you're happy with it. That's cool. Oh, I love it, man. Well, I'm excited for it, man. I mean, we enjoy going and performing at happy hour, um, but it, it's going to be cool to go out and uh, do it somewhere else, and to do it here in Gaston. I mean, you know, you do a lot of hosting uh, around Gaston. I'm sure you're going to have some people that want to come out and see you. I've got some people I used to work with, people I know. There's people I currently work with that are saying they're going to get a group together to come. So uh, it sounds like we may have a, a good crowd there. I know some people are coming to see Delbert as well. So, uh, And needless to say, you know, Wes Sears is a, a Atomic Johnny's original. He's, he's you know, of the first people to do comedy there. So, uh Pretty excited about that, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, and I've heard, uh, I haven't been in, in the venue in probably six months. This is like a renovated Atomic Johnny's now? Yeah, they've, they've done some things. They've, they've renovated the, the uh, venue. They've renovated the menu. Uh, we were talking about that a moment ago, man. They got some awesome looking hamburgers, and they got brunch going on now. They've got a lot of cool stuff going uh-huh. on. So uh, come for the... Come for the comedy and stay for the, the drinks and the food, man. It's, it's going to be a it's going to be a good time, and maybe this can uh, turn into a, a regular gig over at Atomic Johnny's. We hope so, anyway. But now uh, we've talked about the comedy side of things. Let's move over to the quote unquote main event side of things. As we record this right now, 
all in for AEW is going on over in England. Um, I've got some friends who were pretty skeptical of this whole 80,000 tickets bit, but Jake Manning posted this picture uh, right before we started recording. And I watched the uh, the free pre-show, pre-show on YouTube where uh, Adam Cole and MJF won the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles and Hook regained the FTW title from Jack Perry. And as they pan the arena, I don't see where anything is blocked off. It, it looks like this is legitimate. And from reports I read uh, prior to that this is, as it stands officially the largest paid attendance for a professional wrestling event worldwide. Um, you know, there's been kayfabe, you know, figures from the WWE, and then there's been, you know, times where they've crammed in, you know, 80, 90,000 people, but those weren't all paid. But supposedly, and I guess we'll know for sure after all is said and done, but supposedly that 80,000 ticket figure is paid. Um and when you figure that 70,000 of those were paid prior to a card being announced, uh, it's pretty unbelievable in 2023. What do you guys think? Well, that's their claim to fame, ain't it? Didn't they do that? Isn't that how they started? <laughs> well, you know, All In in uh, Chicago uh, was the precursor to uh, AEW, and I-, I was there for that. And uh, that was 11,000 and some odd people. Uh, but it was a really cool atmosphere. I mean, it, it was. It felt it felt different. You know, it didn't feel like an indie show, but it didn't feel like any of the WWE or WCW shows I'd ever been to. And uh, I think that's kind of maybe what drew this in London, you know, is people there felt like, hey, you know, let's go do this. Let's go be a part of this, and let's go stick it up Vince McMahon's ass and show him that they're not the only thing in the world that can draw when it comes to professional wrestling. Well, that excitement. I know when All In was – was happening you could it had a different feeling about it i get i think that's what they're going through over there probably it's probably a resurgence being in the crowd that night man when cody won the right. nba title from nick aldis people lost their mind uh when when uh after the kenny omega penta match when the lights went out and penta attacked omega and then unmasked as jericho uh, Pre-AEW, I mean, everybody in the arena went crazy. Okada being there. Uh, it was it was a really cool th- – I'm, I'm really happy that we went. Uh, and that's kind of why I was really motivated to, to get the pay-per-view today and, and wanted to watch it live, but I just – financially, I just couldn't swing it. I forgot when I mentioned – so here's a peek behind the curtain, folks, that it's not necessary, but why not? I would put it in our group chat. I was going to invite everybody, all the main event comedy guys and a couple other friends to my house to watch the pay-per-view. But then reality struck that, oh, this ain't the olden days where you can order a pay-per-view and then you don't have to pay for it until uh, the cable bill comes. You know, like, this shit's coming directly out of my account as soon as I click the Roku button. And uh, comedy don't pay like you think it would, folks. So, uh, old Gene didn't have the finances, so we had to call that off and uh, what, doing a podcast what, instead. What, what's the bill for the pay-per-view right now? That's uh, so over 50 bucks. Which is hard to, it's hard to justify, man. When you're watching, you know, every WWE pay per view for eight bucks a month or whatever the hell it is, you know, to go pay. And they're doing, uh, and they're doing a pay per view next week, correct? The traditional Labor Day weekend will be another fifty dollars. The Labor Day weekend, uh, all out, 
is still happening next weekend. So, you know, if you're if you're a committed AEW fan, you're going to be over 100 bucks in over the two weekends for these pay-per-views. And God help you, you know. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's a lot to ask. And, you know, this is – we're not going to go far down this rabbit hole because it's a whole other podcast. But, you know, I don't – okay, it's cool to say, hey, we drew 80,000 – we sold 80,000 tickets without a card. And the fact that not many of the matches have much of a story going into them. They're just kind of thrown together other than MJF and Adam Cole and, of course, the eternal history of CM Punk and Samoa Joe – uh, everything else has just kind of fell together in the past couple of weeks. Jericho and Osprey, things like that. Um, to get people to pay $50 for this pay-per-view simply off the hype of, hey, it's 80,000 people, it's in England, it's in Wembley Stadium, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know where the motivation is going to, unless they somehow pull some major storylines out of their ass in today's pay-per-view, I don't know what's going to motivate people to reach in their pocket again next uh, next weekend and buy all out. Um, like I say, unless some major, major developments happen today. Uh, one interesting thing I saw tweeted right before we went live, uh, and Sean Ross Sapp is usually pretty accurate. He says there was a physical confrontation between CM Punk and Jack Perry right before CM Punk went through the curtain working on more details. Oh, shit. What I the? did not read that. What the hell? Um, Apparently, Jack Perry had this huge shard of glass delivered to Wembley Stadium that CM Punk took coverage with. <laughs> well, and also, in the pre-show, Jack Perry come out in a limousine. Hook came down the aisle to meet him. They fought on top of this limousine and then did a brain buster or some kind of spot through the windshield. And both of them had glass cuts all over them during the rest of the match from going through this windshield prior to, which I think is probably also a little dig at Punk. Like, oh, you don't want to swerve with glass? Well, we'll go through a freaking windshield, you know, so. And Gene, would you say that was the pre-show? Yeah. Why would they do that on the (laughs) pre-show? Yep. Um, So anyway. Uh, we may we may uh, put together another podcast within a week or so and talk about the aftermath, or maybe after All Out. Maybe we'll do a combined podcast and talk about the aftermath of All In, All Out, All, all Around, whatever. <laughs> but for right now, uh, we'll talk about some stuff. We, since we have, we're not watching All In, we're not really qualified to speak on it, I guess, at the moment. But a couple things I wanted to go over. Uh, well, one thing I had in mind for a podcast last week, or the last time me and Wes recorded, me and him didn't really get to it, but I know he hasn't really been watching Dark Side of the Ring. Shane, have, have you been watching the episodes of Dark Side of the Ring this season? I, I have. I've watched uh, Abdullah, um, Marty Jannetty, I'm trying to think. But yeah, I'm caught up through. I don't think I've watched the one on the Grahams yet, unfortunately. Whew, it's tough. Uh, I want to do a podcast on that eventually, but I want to ask you guys... Um, and it kind of hinges or somewhat relates to the Marty Jannetty episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Of course, you know, Shawn Michaels is in the Hall of Fame. Um, he's in there as a part of DX. Do you think the Rockers should be in the WWE Hall of Fame as a tag team? And if so, you know, or if not, I should say, why not? 
because the bushwhackers are in there. Well, I'll go. I mean, uh, yeah, if the bushwhackers are in, there's a precedent set for tag teams. But if we could take the artists formerly known as the sheep herders off to the side here. Um, I liked the rockers. I, I mean, I don't think I'm alone in this. I think Marty Jannetty in ring talent was probably better than Shawn Michaels at that point, or at least his equal. Um, but Marty's demons far more uh, present than Shawn Michaels. And all you have to do is read or watch the dark side of the ring episode that we're talking about. But as far as hall of fame, man, that 87, 88, 89, 90, you know, just looking at the survivor series cards of tag teams, that was a loaded tag team division. And what I ask, were they better than demolition? The heart foundation. I mean, the Rougeau brothers aren't in, there's so many strike force, the brain busters. I mean, they were very, very, very good. But outside of, what was it, winning that tag team title when the rope broke and yeah. they reversed the decision of the Hart Foundation? They never captured the tag belts, and you could say the Bushwhackers didn't either. But just on the Rockers on merit, I would say no, and I, I was a big fan of them. Because if Demolition's not in, the Rockers shouldn't be in. <laughs> and that sucks, and I assume Demolition are strictly not in, strictly based off of like lawsuits and stuff they've been involved with uh, because Lord knows the amount of title reigns and you know how dominant they were and especially considering they started out considered to be a road warrior knockoff and in my mind uh, really became you know known as much better workers than Hawker Animal ever was I mean you can't you can't argue with the drawing power and you know all that but uh, work-wise demolition should be at the top of the list of any Hall of Fame in my opinion and mm -hmm. not being there kind of discredits the Hall of Fame in a lot of ways. Delbert, what's your thoughts on Rockers being in the Hall of Fame? I don't I don't think they should probably be in the Hall of Fame. They're a great tag team, but they're not I don't think they're Hall of Fame tag team. Okay. Not for That's real. Fair. I feel like Shane, if you're gonna put them you gotta put the brain busters, there's like a lot more tag teams that are, went longer and did more stuff. So, technically, the Brainbusters are in, but they're in as the Horsemen, and that that kind of opens up a whole other Pandora's box that we won't go into right now. But you get where, like, all right, so technically the Brainbusters are in as the Horsemen, but they're not technically in as the Brainbusters. But then you got Booker T's in, but he's also in as Harlem Heat. Um, you know, do you start getting into all these double? You know. Yeah, but do. You does it not seem a little forced because Shawn Michaels is the golden boy of WWE? It's kind of a money grab or a force speed. You know what I'm saying? Why not put somebody in that should actually be in, not somebody who already works there and is already around all the downtime? I mean, I get there from the Shawn Michaels perspective, but, it, okay, if you're a huge Rockers fan and you're a huge Marty Jannetty fan, then it's like, okay, so Marty Jannetty doesn't get his day in the sun because Shawn's already in there twice. So now we're going to shit on Marty Jannetty? I mean, you know. And I understand the case for them not being in there, but I can sit here and name you 10 other freaking tag teams and people that are in there that completely shoots that in the head. And we'll get to more of that in a little bit in another discussion we're going to have. Um, but, okay, so we've got... Well, then no, well no, yes, then I, yeah, I want Marty Jannetty to get a payday. But, I mean, what does it really mean if they're in that Hall of Fame? You know what I'm saying? 
it means a lot to those guys. If you go ask Marginetti, who's sitting at home with his freaking ankle twice the size of his neck and, you know, desperate, so desperate for people to remember him, he's on Facebook making up idiotic stories about murdering somebody. <laughs> I'm sure he would love to hobble out on that stage and be able to call himself a Hall of Famer because you look when these guys go in the Hall of Fame, there's guys who are now all of a sudden, their rate goes up on these conventions. You know, they're, it, it's a big shot in the arm for them financially to be in the Hall of Fame. Besides the notoriety and just the fact that, you know, it means something to a lot of them. Yeah, But just what I mean, it means to them financially. And, I mean, like you said, going to conventions, I mean, like um, – he could put that on his flyer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, WWE Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Yep. Exactly. Not, you know, embarrassment. The black eye on the business. Marty Jannetty is what a lot One of half the rockers. Marty so where are you at on it, Wes? We've got uh, two votes for no. You I mean, no. I can see, I can see why no, but I mean, I mean, give him his roses. I mean, I, him and Sean, you know, that was what got Sean to, and then, now we got that shot, you know. I mean, I don't, I don't see it being an issue. I really don't, you know. I mean, that's a good point it. too. Shawn Michaels, so many. heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, the champion, the DX. None of that shit exists without the Rockers, because in that day and age, Shawn Michaels would have never got a shot outside being a jobber in WWF without being one half of the Rockers, and nobody can debate that. But like I say, I'm in the middle. I can see the I can see the argument for yes. I can see the argument for no, and it's not an issue that I feel strongly enough about to argue with anybody about. So I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, so uh, next topic. Um, this so this week was a rough well, it was a rough week in general. I mean, for wrestling fans especially, but uh, you know, in 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 the world. But first of all, uh, we lost. Terry Funk, who is uh, a legend in wrestling. No one could ever argue his place in any Hall of Fame or his place in wrestling history. Uh, in my opinion, and I'll be interested to see if you guys kind of agree with this, Terry Funk, in my opinion, had at least two to three Hall of Fame careers. If you take the different eras of Terry Funk, if you take NWA champion Terry Funk. You take Japanese, you know, Gaijin star Terry Funk teaming with his brother and wrestling, you know, Bruiser Brody and, you know, Stan Hansen, all these guys. And then you take 89 through the end of his career, you know, the flare feud up through ECW, through WWF, Terry Funk. If you separate those into three different people, I think those are all three Hall of Fame worthy careers that he had and when you consider they're all one guy and one career it's pretty amazing not only that he was everywhere how do you grow up in the late 80s 90s and you don't know early 2000s and you don't know he was everywhere films wrestling he popped up in ecw i mean shit dude you've seen him everywhere i mean i, had I don't care what you me. say in real I had a guy tell me that he only knew Terry Funk from Chainsaw Charlie all, which is pretty amazing to me, but that's because I'm 46 because I initially only knew Harley Race as King Harley Race and thought, well, what's the fuss about? Like, I I don't get it. But then later when I go back, get into tape trading and I go back and watch 
the rest of his career. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And so, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think there's people who picked up with you know <clears throat> Funk when he tagged with Foley and then ECW on through and had no idea about everything he had done up to that point. But like I say, even then, even if that's only what you know of Terry Funk, it's still pretty darn impressive. Um, and, and I'm guilty of that because of my age, you know, yeah. I, going back to, you know, ECW, you know, I started watching, you know, like all of ECW and this and dude, Terry Funk's name is everywhere for ECW. And then I was like, well, let me see this. Ter-. And then like, you know, you go before that and I'm like, holy shit, this dude, he, he was all over wrestling. It wasn't just extreme championship. He was everywhere. And such a, such a big, big loss in the wrestling world the wrestling you know uh community and you know i never stepped in the ring but dude just as a fan yeah we we lost a, a fucking legend man and you know it's always i mean it's always sad when somebody dies especially somebody you know with the kind of legacy that terry funk has but you know terry's been in bad health for a while he was having issues with dementia Mm -hmm. you know he was in a wheelchair he lost his wife a few years ago and you know they said he's never really been the same since then so you know you hear terry funk's passed away and you think oh man that's sad you know but ultimately you think well he lived a great life you know he he lived a full life you know he's almost 80 years old um so it's not it's sad, but not like, oh, my God, he had so much more to give or he had so much more life to live or anything, you know, along those lines. But you still, you know, you're going to miss the guy. You hate to hear it, but it's different than what we're getting ready to talk about here in a moment. We're going to give uh, – we lost Shane Knowles there for a minute. I noticed he had froze up. So we're going to give him a minute to come back before we move on. Is there – like, Steve, you're closer to you're closer to my age. I understand, Wes, you know, most of his, you know, Terry Funk – uh, opinions or memories or thoughts or whatever are going to kind of be from a certain time period. But you're you're close to my age, Delbert. Um, when when if I just say, you know, "Hey, Terry Funk," what's the first thing that springs to mind? Like, what's the most memorable aspect of Terry Funk to you? When uh, when Flair won the belt, and he double crossed Flair in the ring, and then all the movies and shit. Like he would just pop up in everything. You remember Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> Over the top, Roadhouse. He was he was the bodyguard in uh, Over the Top. He was in Roadhouse. I just everything you looked at, or everything I seemed to look at, he was involved in somehow. He was he was in there somehow. And then, of course, when I was you know in the nineties, late nineties, when I was a teenager, Beyond the Mat come out, and who didn't love the shit out of Beyond the Mat with the referee and. Who Dennis Stamp is? He has to I'm beg him to come referee. I, I wasn't booked. <laughs> I mean, I realized after that I had seen Dennis Stamp a million times doing jobs on the AWA, but it, the name never clicked with me. But I never forgot that name after Beyond the Mat, nor did anybody who watched it. <laughs> but that, and then you know, when you get older, and and then now I'm into podcasts and all that stuff, and you get into the, like the backstories and stuff. He was just a great. He was really the best worker, you know what I mean? In, in the terms of worker, there's wrestlers and there's fucking workers. And he was really the best worker. And that's what he did. Absolutely. I, mean, and I can you, probably touch you, on this part. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, like, with, with SmackDown, you know, they, they did a tribute. And I think they had that little, like, hardcore match to tribute. Fuck. Yeah. 
and I was like, you might as well just spit on the grave because, like, that was shit. I yeah, like, get I'm it in today's hardcore. time. You can't do what Terry Funk had, had, had did before. But yeah. I was like, you shouldn't have even done it. Like, I get what you were trying to do, but, like, I just... I've seen so many memes about that in the last two days. <laughs> like, there's been a multitude of memes about like just all these random pictures of Terry Funk making a disgusted face. Like Terry Funk's face as he looks down and sees the hardcore tribute match on SmackDown. Oh god! But, like I said, they, they didn't even have to do that, you know. But yeah, I uh, I I'm like Delbert, like if. When I, whenever I hear Terry Funk's name, the first thing that pops into mind is 1989, turning on Flair, Terry Funk. I love the, as Jim Ross always coined it, middle-aged and crazy, you know, era of Terry Funk. But me being a huge Memphis guy, uh, there was so much good stuff in Memphis with him and Lawler back in the day, the empty arena match, and uh, just... If, if you haven't seen Terry Funk in Memphis, there's a lot of it on YouTube. I suggest you go, you go check it out. Um, and we were just talking about Shane while, while you had stepped out a minute, is, you know, kind of how, you know, it's always sad, you know, whenever you lose somebody, um, and especially somebody as, as beloved as Terry Funk. But, you know, Terry's nearly 80 years old. He's been in bad health. He's been suffering from dementia. And, he, you know, he lost his wife, you know, years back. And, you know, it, it's sad, but at the same time, like, you know, he lived a full life. I don't think anybody's like, oh, man, he had so much more to give. And, you know, what, but. Um, what, what, what springs to mind for you? Cause again, you're kind of closer to me and Delbert's age than Wes. What, if somebody says Terry Funk, like what's the first image in your head? Believability, authenticity, uh, seeing Terry Funk in 2003 at the Zamora Shrine Temple in Birmingham on a night where that card was filled with legends and notoriety. The main event was a ladder match between Raven and Terry Funk. Raven comes out with the denim jacket, the blue jean shorts. When you hear the opening strains of Desperado by the Eagles and the first image coming through the curtain is a branding iron on fire with the hair wet, just like you saw in the documentary Beyond the Mat, with the bandana, with those multi-striped tights and that sideways walk, with the mumbling, hi, Raven's in the ring. There was a different intensity when Terry Funk came out through a curtain. And that translated in person and what I saw, uh, you know, on TV. But let me just say this about Terry Funk. This is just my opinion. I think he had the best career in the history of professional wrestling. Second generation star. Tag team specialist with his brother, Dory. Uh, tremendous babyface who went on to be an NWA traveling champion. And there's not many of those left or many people who ever reached that status. The most popular babyface American foreigner in Japan ever to where they are following him around. If Terry ordered a hamburger or went to go see a movie, Japanese magazines were taking picture of Terry Funk doing it. They even had him record an album over there. Personal favorite, Barbara Streisand's nose. Some of this stuff is not great, but they stick Terry in the studio to do it. He was the guy that was the bridge for getting the American stars over to Baba in Japan through the pipeline. Starring in the movie Paradise Alley with Sylvester Stallone and not just a wrestler doing the action stuff. He was a character that got lines. 
And because of that, Stallone was open to the idea of having Hulk Hogan in Rocky Three, which changed wrestling forever. And then he was in Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze, which, fun fact for trivia, is the most aired movie ever on cable television. So probably more people have seen wow. Terry Funk on a TBS, TNT, USA rerun through Roadhouse. But the stuff with Flair, the I Quit match, which uh, that Great American Bash, the highest drawing pay-per-view WCW ever did until the NWO seven years later in 96. Helping put ECW on the map, as Paul Heyman will tell you, our little fledgling company working out of a basement got up here because Terry Funk agreed to come in and work, showing that we had credibility and anyone could work here. And the countless indie shows that this guy worked on, where he put people over, where he was adamant about putting people over. Generosity, and then with the fans, the kindness could be such a... Uh, Middle-aged, crazy, raving lunatic. You didn't know what was coming in the ring, but so kind to all the boys, so kind to the fans. And you look at it, Memphis with Jerry Lawler, the empty arena match, the I Quit match with Flair, uh, the NWA champion, the ECW stuff, Sabu, I could go on and on. The matches with Foley in Japan for a fledgling company over there in front of less than 125 people doing that stuff over the age of 50. Whether you wanted to put up a ring, promote a show, book a show, wrestle, and don't forget, Terry Funk was a pretty good commentator for a good portion of 89 with Jim Ross. I think he covered every single facet of the pro wrestling business in a five-decade career that will not be matched. And he's one of those guys like Lawler, too, that he could go and in the course of a single promo, if he wanted to, he could go from beloved babyface to rotten heel and then turn back mm -hmm. to a babyface by the time it was over and you would go along mm -hmm. for the ride and believe all of it. Like he's super talented. I got I never got a chance to get a picture with Terry Funk, but I was around him a couple of times and my favorite interaction of Terry Funk I ever got to witness in person. We went to our first uh, Greg Price convention when, it, when I did it in Atlanta. Um, and so I had gotten to meet Terry Funk, and then uh, I had went to the restroom, and I was in the stall, and I heard Terry Funk come in, and some fan said something to him. He's like, hey, how you doing? And he goes over to the urinal, and as I'm coming out to wash my hands, Reed Flair comes in. And he goes straight over to Terry, who's still at the urinal, or he's finishing up at the urinal. He's like... Hey, Mr. Funk, I, you know, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm Reed. I'm Rick's youngest son. And he, right then, Terry zips up and he turns and Reed sticks his hand out. And he goes, Jesus Christ, kid, I was just touching my pecker. Hold on. <laughs> and he goes over and washes his hands. And then he shakes Reed's hand and hugs him. And, you know, how's your father? And they go on. I, I go ahead and leave. But just hearing Terry Funk, Jesus Christ, kid, I was just touching my pecker. Hold on. Because <laughs> he's trying to take his hand as soon as he gets through taking a piss. I've never, like, to me, I mean, it's cool getting to meet those, but, like, I've, I've seen, seen a lot of weird interactions like that at conventions, which to me is the most fun part about them is some of the different interactions I've either been a part of or just witnessed there that you wouldn't have seen anywhere else, you know, and God forbid now both of them are no longer with us, you know. They had a uh, tribute on Busted Open. They had Mick Bowley, and he was telling some Cactus Jack story or uh, Terry Funk stories about ECW when he set him on fire. 
And I guess he yeah. was pissed off, and he was like, I just left the arena, and he was like, and I got home, and the next day I went somewhere with my family, and he was like, I got home, and I hit play on the old school answer machine, and he said it was Terry Fung. He said, Cactus, I was a damn fool last night. <laughs> was Terry Funk apologizing to him for shit. <laughs> yeah, I can say, you know, he's... I mean, you're right, Shane. I think I think there is definitely an argument made that he he had the greatest career ever in wrestling, and I certainly don't see an opportunity for anybody to ever have one any better uh, moving forward. Um, so now, like we said, losing Terry Funk is very sad, but at the same time, you know, he had health issues, and you know, as they say, probably in a better place. It probably, you know, was was time for for him. But then on the polar opposite of that the next day we find out that Wyndham Rotundo has passed away aka Bray Wyatt now you're talking about a guy that's 36 years old uh four children uh you know potentially in the prime of his career um just you know there had been you know they said that he hadn't been around because he had health undisclosed health problems nothing none of that had really been discussed um you know, when you first hear that he died unexpectedly and please respect the family's privacy, your first thought is, oh, my God, did he take his own life? Is it you know, something terrible like that? And then uh, Sean Ross Sapp, who we quoted a minute ago with the CM Punk Jack Perry story, thankfully uh, came out and announced that, you know, no, it's, you know, it was a – he passed away due to a heart attack due to some ongoing issues he'd been having, which that's not good, but you don't want to think that somebody, you know, took their own life. So, um, but man, just, I, I don't know when I've seen or heard anything quite as shocking as that. You know, like I said, when, when I heard Terry Funk pass, like, Oh man, I hate that. But it wasn't shocking. Cause Terry's had health problems and you've seen recent pictures of him. You're like, man, poor Terry's, you know, he's in, he's in rough shape. But, uh, I mean, I don't think anybody expected to hear that on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, I was driving home from work, and all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up. Every post on Facebook is RIP Bray Wyatt, and then I've got 10 friends messaging me going, did you know that? I'm like, yeah, I've got Facebook. Of course I know. It's all that's on it right now. Uh, but what were you guys' first reaction to hearing that news? I was like, damn. Well, I, I, was I was just along. like, oh, wow. I didn't know what to think. That's crazy. Because he wasn't. I think I was heading home from work. Yeah, I was too. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, my first thought was it just less than 24 hours lost Terry Funk. You know, as a wrestling fan, you're reeling. And there comes Bray Wyatt. And I didn't know this was right before trivia started um, Thursday evening, I think, when that happened. My first thought was. Other than that, on the Terry, he's like, man, what a rough 24 hours was. Regardless of any conspiracy theories, and I'm sure we've all seen a little, no matter what you believe, 36 years old is far too young, not just for a wrestler, for a human being to leave okay. this earth. Yeah. It's like I'm going to piggyback on Shane. I mean, you know, with, with Terry, you know, like like we all were talking about, you go, oh, you know, he's in peace. He had a hell of a career, he had a hell of a life. And he got to live it to the fullest now. And as a human being, we're going to question 
till you know the end of time what could what what could have been what if with Bray, yeah, and that's not just as a wrestler that's in his life, you know. Oh yeah, because I mean I think I, he would have had he could have contributed to the wrestling long past his time in the ring creatively, you know, for you know as long as he wanted to, I'm sure. And my thoughts went to Mike Rotunda, who made his first appearance at the Fan Fest in Charlotte last year. And I was so proud to get my picture with him and autographed and just talked a little bit about him, about his son. And, you know, Mike Rotunda is not a guy of a lot of emotions, but man, you bring up one of his kids who's in the business, you could see a different look on his face. Very proud. Yeah, I can't imagine uh, what, you know, he's going through and, you know, his wife and children, his brother, sister. Um, you know, it's, and, and you know, and then you see, I, I knew it was going to happen. I finally saw it a couple of times yesterday where some people in some wrestling groups were like, oh, it's a work. They're going to bring him back as the fiend. And I just had to log out to not just cuss them out. You know, it's like, can we please take off our wrestling conspiracy hats and be a freaking decent human being for five minutes? Like, really? It's a work. Like, it's it, it's wild to think in the you know how much wrestling's involved and where we're at on today that you can still hear people talk about the Undertaker and Kane being brothers. Well, I mean, I remember <laughs> I remember being at my buddy's house down in Starkville at Mississippi State and watching the Over the Edge pay per view where Owen Hart died, and then getting in my car and driving back to Aberdeen, which was like 45 minutes away and uh, getting online and seeing people saying that there was a work. Oh, that was a dummy. That, that wasn't real. And then you turn on the TV news and it's on every, you know, CNN, all the you know, legitimate news. It's like, are, are you people, you say you people think that the news, the legitimate news is in on a work with Vince McMahon. That's going to pay off, you know, what, uh, you think Jeff Jarrett was bawling his eye and Deborah and all these people were bawling their eyes out on live pay-per-view to put over some stupid story for Raw tomorrow night? Like, how jaded and freaking, you know, how can, <laughs> I don't know, man. There's times I hate wrestling fans. I really do. There's times I want to just go punch every one of them in their fucking face. And that's, moments like these are, are one of them. It's just like, God dang, man, show some respect for people's lives. Like, well, everything you- in wrestling. When you say that about Bray, all I could think, Gene, is you're talking about Owen Hart 99. Those early days of the internet, internet 98, 99, 2000, I wish we knew what the term screenshot was. Because, dear God, some of these stupid conspiracies and what's going on, and you heard this is going to – I mean, I think that's when people thought anything – they still do to this day, like Delbert said with Kane and others like being brothers. That 98, 99, 2000, 2001, it was almost like I could put, hey, Ric Flair caught – having sex with stop signs. Someone's like, I knew it. I saw him with a traffic light last weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep. They just bought everything. And I'm like, oh, some of that stuff was embarrassing to read. And seeing the conspiracy theories, well, this is a work. It's all building up for him to come back as the fiend. At Roy. I'm like, are you serious? Have you gotten that far lost in your fandom? That Wow. Yeah. I mean, nobody wants to get worked. Everybody wants to stay like a step ahead. So they just claim everything's, you know, everything's a work. I get so mad at seeing that kind of stuff like, Oh, it's a work. And sometimes it is. But I'm sorry. 
no work is going to start out with Triple H on his Twitter account saying, he didn't say Bray Wyatt died. He said Wyndham Rotundo, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, passed away today. Now, you think they would do that to start a storyline? Like, especially after Terry Funk had just passed away and all the... Oh, and, right. and let's go to the past for a second. I mean, Vince McMahon faking his death, and then the week later, the Chris Wall incident happens. I don't it's think like there a were day ever later, wasn't it? It's something uh, like that. Like you know, Vince gets in his like limousine, and then over the weekend, that situation happened because Ben Wall was supposed to fight Sam Punk at that pay per view, and that Monday was all about Ben Wall. And Vince is in the middle of everybody. After hey, I died on Thursday or Friday. I'm here on Monday. You know what I mean? Like they, I, I think they. Yeah, even Vince has had to go. Like, I think uh, yeah, that bullshit's out the window. This is where this is real. And then it took a harder turn because you know they're doing a tribute show, and then towards the end of the tribute show, they find out what really happened. They're like, uh, okay, um, this. Ain't I seen good. a I seen a Facebook group the other day, and it was Chris Benoit was framed. I was just I, mean, I was just about to go there. I was going to say, speaking of conspiracy theories. There are people I have had cuss fights with a with a friend of mine who buys into the theory and swears to this day that Kevin Sullivan murdered Chris Benoit and his family. <laughs> and he was mad that she left him and would go to court and swear on a stack of Bibles if he had the opportunity that Kevin Sullivan murdered Benoit and his family and should be Come on, man, you saw that match at Bash of the Beach. You knew they hated each other. And you remember he was a devil worshiper down in Florida back in the day. Him and <laughs> Mark Lewin, Purple Haze. You ever heard Kevin Sullivan talk about baseball? The dude's crazy about fucking pro baseball. Boston. The Red Sox. Red Sox. <laughs> well, I mean, he, I mean, I can admit this, going back to Owen Hart. I mean, I went to the store with my mom during that, that pay-per-view, and I came back. And the Owen Hart incident had happened. And my brother's in tears because he's a kid just like I am. My dad's over like, oh, it's work. He's coming back Monday. And and even – I, it, it's so sad to me to admit that. But even as a kid, I was like, no, like, that's real. And he was like, no, he's back Monday. I had been in the business for like two years when that happened. And I was sitting – like I said, I was down at Mississippi State with like 12 guys that I didn't really know who weren't in the business or even like on the internet they were just you know straight up you know wrestling fans and they were all split like when when it happened they were like is that they look at me because i'm the wrestling guy and they're like is that real and i'm like i yeah i would guess based on everybody's reaction but then you think well you know when they did the bit with with owen and sean with the uh insiguri kick and they went quiet, and you know they treated it like they would if it's real. Like I don't know, maybe it wasn't real. But then when they cut to Jim Ross, and he's like, "Owen Hart has died," I was like, "Well, there's no way they would do that." Like it was, if maybe if they said the Blue Blazer died, I might still question. I'm like, "But no, there's no way they're in that poor." I mean, I know we were in the era of pretty poor taste at that time. Vince Russo was still around, I think, or maybe he just left or whatever. But I was like, "No, that's got to be real." But they were all debating it. As I left that night, they were all like, I don't know, man. I don't. Th-. They wouldn't keep – and that was people's big defense was like, you wouldn't keep a show going if somebody died in the ring. And I'm like, well, you got me there. That is pretty tacky. But then come to find out, 
That's exactly what. And there was a legit blood stain in the goddamn ring after that. Yeah. Remember when they started back up? There was a goddamn stain on the goddamn mat the whole show. Yeah, there was a big hole in the ring, is what people have said that were that were in it. Um, You know, go listen to Jeff Jarrett's podcast where he discusses that night, and uh, it's pretty intense. Uh, And yeah, that's side note here as we wait for Shane. Um, That has become one of my favorite podcast is the jeff jarrett podcast you um, like it yeah i do i do but i'm a big fan of jeff jarrett unlike most people most everybody on earth hates jeff jarrett or at least did but i i was i was a memphis fan when he first started so i pretty much saw his whole career from when he started out refereeing up through you know last week when he did the texas chainsaw master match which if anything was going to turn me against him it would have been that <laughs> it would have been that I've been watching a, a lot of uh, Dirty Dutch Mantel. Yeah, he. Uh, I I can listen to that guy tell stories all day long. He's he's very good, and he's been around for everything. And then almost immediately after uh, Bray Wyatt passed, there's been some talk online about you know should Bray Wyatt go in the Hall of Fame? How soon? Um, What's everyone's thoughts on that? We'll uh, we'll start with Wes and then go around. So, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion? Um, I would say yes. Now, I'm not saying do it the next WrestleMania, the Mania after that. Or I, I think you give it time. Give it, some, give it a couple years and... I think he deserves it, man. I really do. And, 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 and I hate to be like this. Not only what he did before unfortunately we lost him i also have to think about his future and what it could have been and it would have been i think it would have been no question by the time he's done you know retired whatever i think i mean it was going i I think he deserves it i absolutely do delbert what's your take i don't know man i'm kind of torn i don't really think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think the Hall of Fame should be a special spot for special ass stuff that happens you know, that's remarkable and rememberable or or whatever. And I just don't, I can't, I can't really remember the last time I was crazy excited about seeing what was going to happen to Bray Wyatt or whatever. It's been a minute, you know what I mean? But uh, I, I think he was a hell of a performer, hell of an athlete, you know what I mean? I don't want to, I'm not trying to shit on nothing he ever did. But I don't, I, Hall of Fame's a little steep, I think. Shane? Yeah, I don't want to uh, crap on anything on Bray Wyatt either, especially in his recent passing. Um, I hate that he's gone. Uh, to me, I hate that the last two, two and a half years, to me, in my opinion, of his career was a lot of hot garbage. And a lot of that might not have been his fault. It may have been. We won't know, but I just feel like, whew, I mean, yeah, that last two and a half years of Bray Wyatt, it, to me, a lot of times it was unwatchable. It was unbearable. Again, maybe not him, but he is still the person following through on whatever orders are, whether he was the creative behind it or played a part in it. Bray Wyatt, my favorite portion was when he was uh, parlaying you know, the uh, Robert De Niro character from Cape Fear with the Hawaiian shirt and the rocking chair and the lantern and doing the Wyatt family. I was like, now we got something. This guy's a gifted talker, pretty good hand in the ring. And it never went where it was supposed to. And I don't know why. I'm not blaming him for that. But I almost felt like everything since then 
things, stuff like that. I, it's just me talking. I didn't personally care for. It didn't resonate to me the way it may have some people. And, you, you know, I can't say, though, that if I wasn't a young child, that that might have resonated differently. Because there's stuff that 7, 8, 9, 10 years old I thought was awesome. And then I got in my, you know, 20s and 30s. And I was like, man, that was pretty bad stuff. You know, I may look at it nostalgically. But, so, I mean, I may be a disgruntled almost 45-year-old in a month. But about the Hall of Fame, no. I, and I know your thing about Coco Beware, and I'm with you. I've met Coco Beware on the show. I like him. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. But I also think maybe maybe we can't do, and I said this too, that there's some people who aren't in the Hall of Fame. Maybe we shouldn't go with the decisions they've made of who's in and who's out just based on their own merits is my thought. And on that, maybe Bray Wyatt, no. Um just like with baseball, basketball, I think it's the Hall of Fame. I don't think it's the Hall of Really Good or the Hall of Pretty Good to play off what Delbert's saying. And I'm not sure. To me, he was really good. He was pretty good. I don't know if he was up there. You know. I think um, – all right, so taking the Coco Beware argument off the table, although I still feel like <laughs> strong, strong fucking it argument. There's some, there's, some people in the, there's some people in the Hall of Fame beyond Coco. That's just my go-to because everybody can uh, – Sure. Well, you mentioned Bushwhackers. Relate <laughs> to that. Bushwhackers. Um, the list goes on. But, um, no, I don't think he should go in uh, – Immediately, and I agree that the last probably three years of his career, honestly, uh, leave a lot to be desired. The, the whole L.A. Night feud, the uh, all that shit, like where he caught on fire and they <laughs> all that crap. That was all. That was all shit, in my opinion. But here's my thing: um, if you go back to coming in with the Wyatt family. Uh, through uh, the feuds, you know, with, with Cena, the Undertaker, and all the different people that he's feuded with in his career. Um, you know, in the last few years, there was a phrase that became popular and uh, talking about Roman Reigns and then like CM Punk was needle mover. You know, and they say Roman Reigns is a needle mover, and they say CM Punk, like him or not, and whether you, what you thought of his storylines. Bray Wyatt has been one of the big needle movers in WWE for several years now. I dare you to find anybody outside of Cena and now Reigns and him that's probably moved more merch for WWE than Bray Wyatt. Um, and the fact that, you know, they may not have all been home runs, but the fact he was able to reinvent himself. The thing that impressed me most about Bray Wyatt, I've been saying this for years, long before he ever passed away or before he left uh, a year or two ago. They basically has booked him like a fucking jobber from the beginning. Mm -hmm. like, name me key wins in Bray Wyatt's career. They are few and far between. He's come out on the bad end of almost every feud the man was ever in, and he stayed over. People cared about him. People were there for it. The next time he showed up, whatever his next incarnation was, whatever the feud was, people were there for it. People were on the edge of their seat listening to these promos. And like I say, in the recent years, a lot of that shit wasn't great. And if you believe the rumors, um, a lot of that supposedly he was left to his own devices and allowed to come up with himself. Some of the stuff that people considered to be the worst. I don't know if that's true or not, but... 
Um, I think just for the fact that he managed to become a main event level star and sell as much merch as he has and be such a huge key element of the WWE for the length of time that he did during the time that he did, I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I, I'm not gonna, it's not a hill I'm going to die on with anybody. But again, I mean, yeah, if you want to if you want to change the standards of the Hall of Fame today and go, okay, well, we put a bunch of shit hooks in there in the past, but now let's make them really super fucking important. Let's make sure they deserve it. Well, goddamn, it's too late for that, buddy, or you're going to go back and pull some motherfuckers out because they're in there. And you can't say... Okay, well, here's the Bushwhackers, and here's Coco Beware, and here's Hillbilly Jim. And, you know, you going to tell me Bray Wyatt does not mean as much to the WWE as Hillbilly fucking Jim. Not happening. Or Snoop Dogg. <laughs> or Snoop Dogg or Drew Carey or any of them dumb fucks. I mean, you just can't. I mean, the career that Edge had had up to the point that he was put in the Hall of Fame when they immediately shoved him in the, and most likely, folks, Bray Wyatt's probably going to go in this year. He's probably okay. going to be the star of the show this year. And I don't agree with that. I don't think that's don't good either. at all. And I didn't agree when they put Edge in the year after he retired. Oh, I love Wes's. I love Wes's point. Let it uh, let it breathe for a yeah, little bit, yeah. and then put him in eventually. Uh, like I said, the recency bias. I will say, I think the greatest compliment I could pay, pay but Bray Wyatt is in a business where we all say stuff is the same and everything's too scripted, it's too structured. This guy took chances. Um, and, you know, he, for good or bad, he was a risk taker and he did some stuff outside the box. I've said, I've said for a really long time, I think... If they would have booked him, booked him better, put him over on Undertaker at that WrestleMania where he wrestled yes. the Undertaker instead of instead of waiting and letting Brock do it, and then made him the new Undertaker. I don't mean literally, but just af, you know he he's different than everybody else. Treat him that way. He's special. He's an entity. He's the phenom or whatever the hell you want to call it. I think he could have been that level of star for them for a long time to come. And the fact that he stayed a star when they just beat him and beat him and beat him and beat him. Because you always knew, like, all right, well, we're coming to the end of the feud. It's time for Bray to, Bray to do the old J-O-B, you know, and then we got to recreate him again because we've killed him. Uh, the fact that he stayed over throughout all that, uh, I think, says a lot for him, says a lot for the character. Um, I think in some cases... He reinvented himself too quickly. I think there was a lot more life left in that, you know, Cape Fear character. That swamp cult leader, yes. Never should have moved away from that when, when he did. Uh, we should have rode that wave for a lot longer. Um, and I think that kind of, I think the, the Chris Jericho effect now where guys are trying to recreate themselves before they've gotten the one thing all the way over is, is starting to become an issue and it's going to probably continue to be an issue and become a bigger issue uh, over time but uh, like I said I understand the argument for him not being in but if I'm going to argue a side I'm going to argue the side of him going in because he's just done a hell of a lot more than a lot of the people that are in there um, let me just say it's not going to anger me if I hear that Bray Wyatt is announced for the Hall of Fame I'm not going to run to my keyboard and go crazy it will be deserved i'm not yet <laughs> you know the two big, biggest opportunities that i thought missed with bray was you spoke of it if anyone was going to end the undertaker streak 
the next supernatural type character Bray Wyatt should have done it. And two, we go to The Fiend. There's absolutely no way that Goldberg should have beat The Fiend for the title. No way. <laughs> that that is a that is a point that you can point to and go. There is a hard left turn that his career took or that character took, where it just took the wind out of his sails again. Man, Goldberg shouldn't be beating nobody. I'm tired of you of seeing Goldberg beat. You want to impress me? Put him in there with Steven Regal again. <laughs> Let's see some shit. Yes. <laughs> me. I mean, so. This is uh, sorry. I'll, I'll I'll let you. No, you're good. So just real quickly on that point, in 2000, 1999, 2000, uh, Stephen Regal was working for Memphis Championship Wrestling, and they came and did a house show in Corinth, Mississippi, where we, me and my buddy Neil Taylor, worked for CWA every Friday night. We did a show there, and MCW came and booked their building on a Saturday night. And the promoter wasn't happy about it. And he's like, he knew me and Neil were kind of loud mouths and assholes and did not give a fuck. And so he's like, I'll buy you two tickets to that show tomorrow night if y'all just go down there and disrupt things. So me and Neil go buy tickets to this MCW show. We sit in the front row. And the third match, here comes Regal out there. And he gets the guy down. He's tying him in a knot. And Neil's like, do him like you did Goldberg. And man, Regal, <laughs> Regal let's go with the holes. And comes over and sticks his head between the, the top and second rope. And he goes, you shut your bloody mouth, sunshine. You have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And then went right back to what he's doing. And we were like. And then uh, <laughs> at one point, we were, we were, uh, we were messing with R-Truth. And R-Truth got mad, stopped his match. He cut a promo on us. And uh, they kicked us out of the building. But <laughs> 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 So I always love the, the Goldberg thing with Regal. That is sorry, Man, I, I got so much admiration for Regal. When I was a kid, I despised Stephen, hated him, couldn't stand him. And now that I'm older, he's like, I'm like, what a fucking worker, bro. I, I love that character. I, 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 you know, a lot of people don't, and I know we're getting way off the Bray Wyatt subject here, but a lot of people, you know, dislike early 90s WCW. But, man, 89 through about... 93, 4, I love that stuff. I go back and watch those Clash of the Champions. I love that era of Regal with Dundee as his manager, as TV champ. Um, I mean, there's a... Gonna have to clip that part. <laughs> and Regal being at the top of the list. But anyway, I'm sorry. What was you gonna say, Wes? <clears throat> I mean, I was just gonna go back there. I, know. I was going to go back, you know, with Bray is, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, I remember the Fireflies and the, and the whole the whole place just covered with cell phones in the air. And, dude, I think it was that, I think it was, the, was it the main entrance against Undertaker that was just so iconic with how yeah. they were just so, and I think about that and even going back to the last couple of years, you know, before he passed with the whole what Firefly Funhouse, so we your you know, and the crowd was just singing to it. Like they loved that shit, you know. Even if it was goofy and it was absolutely goofy, but I, I will have to say one of my favorite matches, and it's I'm gonna get probably judged for this one, but him and Cena's match at WrestleMania, man, when it was just a whole like fucking game like around Cena's thing. like career. <laughs> And you know he's in the NWO shit, and then they got the like Vince McMahon puppet, like that's some good shit, you know. Like 
the fact he even got that cleared is amazing. And and it was stupid, but I was like, me and my brother was watching. I was like, dude, that was entertaining. Like it really was. And it was so creative that I was like, only Bray Wyatt I think could have got away with that. And it would be, I could see why wow, that was good. You know what I mean? I don't see any. And it, Cena did such a good job with it as well. Like I think Cena was uh, interviewed and he said that was one of his favorite matches. Was just how fun and entertaining it all you know around was. I mean, I do have to agree with the Fiend. I mean, my God, losing to Goldberg. The love of God, but like even him catching fire. I mean, it was kind of that was awful. But I did love him. <laughs> um, I did. I did like him with Alexa Bliss. I, I will yeah. say that. I thought that was. See, a good I one. thought I found all that hard to stomach. I thought it was. Well, here's kinda, something. Kind of okay. Here's something I've been struggling with, Steve and Shane. Um, I'm trying very hard in my old age here at 46 to not be cornet and understand. That not everything is for me. Like, you know, back to that old Dusty Road saying is, you know, wrestling's a variety show. There needs to be something for everybody. Um, a lot of this stuff, it's not for me. And I just got to try not to hate it and shit on it and, you know, dwell on it. And I feel like it's getting to be where more and more of it's not for me. And that's fine, you know. Um, I... I hated the Funhouse thing at WrestleMania. I hated the stupid Undertaker, AJ Styles. They're cinematic bullshit. I don't really care for any of those type matches. But there's a lot of people who I like will say I wasn't a fan of that either. So. Yeah, so, I mean, you know. It gave uh, us a lot of memes, though. That's one good thing that came out of it. got that right. I did. And, and at that point, you had already had a whole Cena and Bray Wyatt feud. You know, so what – I mean, yeah, it was different, and it was – weird and it was entertaining and it's like well how much better would a another john cena bray wyatt match in front of no audience at the performance center at that wrestlemania how much better would that have really been or memorable so you know it is what it is well, all right guys is there anything else uh to kind of wrap this one up because we're an hour and 20 in which we'll end up trimming some of this off uh Anything, any last thoughts on uh, Terry Funk, Bray Wyatt, anything you want to say about uh, uh, any upcoming shows or anything before we take it home, as they say? I'm excited. Uh, I think I think we're on a good stride. I was going to say on Terry Funk, I went and watched the I Quit match with Blair this week. I watched the empty arena match with Lawler. I went back and watched the match with Dusty Rhodes in Florida. I went back and watched the Bob Armstrong match in Smoky Mountain. I watched the Sabu match with him at ECW. All different characters, all different facial hair, all different hair, all different looks, all different promos, all different matches. It was never the same. It was always chaos, but there was a different chaos every time, and yes. that was great. Um, I'm also going to watch some Bray Wyatt stuff later this evening. I want to go back to when that guy really came out with the rocking chair and the lantern and like Wes said, got the whole world in it. And they should have never changed his music from that Catching Flies either, man. I would play that shit at trivia and people would pop and start singing along at some restaurant or bar. You know, that song was over. Um, but yeah, like I think we're on the right track. I, I look forward to getting into uh, the main event comedy championship. I think it's a great idea. And I'm also looking, I'm really looking forward to Atomic Johnny's. I think for a variety of reasons, 
a different venue that's also still in that area near Happy Hour in Addison. I really think we're going to have a good house that night. And by the way, that is the uh, that September 23rd, the day before my birthday. So might get a little bit crazy, folks. Hey. One night only. All right. That's good to know. That's damn good to know. Appreciate birthday you that. The birthday I may boy, come right? dressed out as uh, Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk's love child. So. <laughs> Well, that'll be worth the price of admission alone. It, it, dressed as Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk's love child, speaking like Randy Savage would be a... Uh, let let me in. Let me in. Let why me in, yeah. Why don't you mention Over the Top? Sucking dog. You don't remember Over What's the that? Top? Over the Top. Oh, yeah. With Terry Funk. Quite the... Quite mm-hmm. the quite the resume on imdb as well so uh mm-hmm. not to end on a sad note but man you know it it took me a minute to really realize the other night it's like man i think back to like my favorite incarnation like we were just talking about of bray Wyatt was the original Wyatt family and to think that two of the three of the original Wyatt family are no longer with us in 2023 is heavy as hell man like for brody and bray Wyatt to be gone um uh, Wow, I mean, who who in the world would ever have called that? So that's that's sad. And uh, hey, if nothing else, uh, I'd like to see the Wyatt family get put in the Hall of Fame so that you know Brody could get his flowers as well. So uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna push for something, folks, if you want to start a you know a petition or something, let's get the whole Wyatt family in there. You know, because uh, I want to rephrase I think, uh, what I said earlier. I think that is the that's the move. I really do. And tell him you heard he it right body. here on Main Event Comedy Podcast. We'll see you next time when we're going to be discussing an old school dive, as me and Shane Knowles used to take. We're going to be talking about WWF Royal Rumble 1989. So make sure you check us out for that one. It's going to be dropping real soon. Thanks for watching, and go check out the website, themaineventcomedy.com. Check out the brand new show from OWF. It's OWF Worldwide Wrestling, hosted by broadcast Bob Anderson. And of course, he's joined by Whitey Jenkins. New episodes drop every Thursday right here on the Outlaw Wrestling Network. Check it out. It is OWF Worldwide Wrestling, bringing you the best outlaw wrestling from around the world.